All right, I think we're um, ready to get going here this morning. Uh, again, we're getting settled in the house and then online, but uh, this morning uh, I have decided to bring in a special guest speaker for our series that we are doing called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. For the month of February, we have been looking at how can I be emotionally healthy in my spirituality? And that you can't be healthy spiritually if you're emotionally unhealthy. And so as we have been working through some really difficult conversations, we have one more to do this morning. And today we are going to be speaking from the topic of grief and loss. This is a significant, significant thing that happens in all of our lives in order to do that, I wanted to bring in my friend, Pastor Darren Abraham. So Caldwell Church, could you say welcome to him this morning? <laughs> Pastor Darren and Christy are really good friends with uh, Lisa and myself, and we have loved getting to do life with these two. Uh, the unique part about Pastor Darren is, is this, is like he is an amazing pastor, but really where I wanted to lean on this morning was his expertise when it comes to counseling. He is a professional counselor in the city, and I thought it would be appropriate for us to be able to do this together with the blend of faith and just this idea of professionalism. And so I was excited to invite him to our stage to talk to us about some of these um, unique things now, Pastor Darren, I'm excited for you to be here. I know that in moments you're going to utter your voice and people are going to understand the language of heaven. And uh, this is going to be good. But I just got to tell you, like, I'm so thankful for you, your friendship to me, but your leadership in our city, because what we're about to talk about, you're making a difference in a lot of people's lives. And I'm appreciative of you. So I would like to pray for Pastor Darren as he brings the word this morning and we'll challenge, I think, all of us, actually. This is going to be very raw. It's very real. And I, I'm trusting that Jesus is going to speak to us today. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for these moments um, that we get to share together, we get to hear together. Because what we are about to discuss right now is something we all wrestle with. And it is tough stuff. There's no doubt about it. But I know that you, Holy Spirit, have prepared a message for us to hear today. I know, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to hearts right now as the uncomfortability of grief and loss, as it was mentioned, begins to make us think and stir a certain way. But I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be kind to us today to help us to understand that you are here, there still is hope in you, and that you are going to speak through Pastor Darren to us today. So I give you thanks for these moments, and I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my friend, have fun. <laughs> Is that better? I'm on? Yep. Fantastic. Well, hi everyone. Great to meet you. Pastor Sean and Lisa have been friends of ours probably for about the last five years. So love them. They've invested deeply into our life. And as church leaders, you guys do an amazing job. So honour your pastors. They are great. So thank you so much, guys. <clears throat> Uh, I have my wife, Christy, and my two teenage kids, both 17, and none of them are with me today. So it probably says something about me, and I'm in therapy for that as well. Uh, as you can probably tell, my accent is not Canadian. I am Australian and Canadian, hold both citizenship, as our whole family does. 
If you cannot understand what I'm saying, I deeply apologize. I will have some subtitles up on the screen. But if you can't read, I definitely apologize because you can't understand, you can't read, and I strongly encourage you that you get your admission fee back on the way out. So, church, it's great to be with you. I come to you today as a fellow learner, not an expert, but someone who's made mistakes and someone who's hopefully learned from them, though every now and again, God puts me on the roundabout and I learn something over again. Grief and loss is one of those stories that's common to humanity. It'll look a variety of different ways. As we pass through different seasons, we lose our youthfulness. <laughs> we lose our hair, not looking at anyone in particular. <laughs> we lose our independence. In COVID, we lose connection. We may even lose friends. Grief and loss might look like a variety of things. It could be the death of a friend, a loved one. It could be a divorce. It could be infertility. It could be a miscarriage, maybe a diagnosis that's come unexpectedly. It could be the loss of employment, a hope, a dream, an opportunity. It'll look like very different things for very different people. You may feel betrayed, as Pastor Sean was talking about today. You might feel angry. You might feel this towards yourself, towards family, friends, an organisation, an institution, the church, God, could be a whole variety of things. For me, my loss and anger was primarily aimed at the loss of my father. My father was 62. He had just finished his final day of work. He was living in Sydney, Australia, and was moving up towards us with my mum towards Brisbane and spend his retirement up there with myself, with my sister, with our families, with our kids, investing into me everything that he had done so beautifully, such an amazing man, and into our kids, which I was looking forward to. The day he came up, he was diagnosed with leukaemia, spent 15 of the next 18 months in hospital. So instead of life looking like we imagined, it was us spending time in hospital with him. It was during that time that it was extremely confusing for me, wildly emotional, huge turmoil. But God used this time to nudge me, as he often does, in the direction of counselling, to study counselling from my previous career of working in radiation therapy. The night that my dad passed away, I was at his home with my mum, with some of our relatives, and I didn't know what to do. I sat outside the room intentionally because if I went in, what would I say? I didn't know how to think, how to feel, what to process. I was at a complete loss. So I sat outside. When I finally gained the courage to go in, I wanted to hear his voice again. I wanted to hear him talk about his life, where he'd come from, what he was learning, what he could impart into me. So I asked him questions, and yet one of my relatives said, stop talking to him. I understand why now, but at the time I was so angry. I said, what right do you have to tell me to stop talking to my own father?
At the time that the pain was getting so intense that the liquid morphine wasn't doing the job that it originally did, we called the ambulance. He was loaded in, and we went to a hospital. But because of a jurisdictional misunderstanding, that hospital didn't even let him in the door to get the pain relief that he so needed. It was a fight for about 10 minutes outside. Finally, he was loaded back in the ambulance and off to a second hospital. And as we arrived at that hospital, my father passed away. My mum, my sister, my brother and myself spent about an hour there with his dead body. Leaving that hospital was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do because I felt like I had abandoned my dad and I had failed in the process. And I didn't know what to do. We had spent 18 months resolutely believing, praying, fasting, doing everything we were supposed to do, and yet the answer came in a very, very different way to what I hoped or what I imagined. Church, in our pain, we search for shortcuts to avoid the deep wounds that are going on inside of us. We demand that anyone or anything take it away because it's too hard. We try and numb the pain with a whole variety of things. Denial, avoidance, addictions, blame. We look to a variety of means to be able to help this. Maybe it's continuous entertainment. Maybe it's endless busyness. Maybe it's perpetual self-development, overeating, overexercise. Might be over-shopping. Maybe it's relationships or substances. Maybe it's even over-addiction with church activity. In my experience, the church typically has a poor theology when it comes to dealing with anger, sadness, pain, depression. See, for you looking at someone who is in pain, sometimes you want to say, how are you? But honestly, you may not want to know the answer. For someone who's in pain and gets asked that question, they might not want to answer. So instead, you may say like I did, oh, I'm fine. Smile. Then we've done the social convention. We've said, how are you? You've responded fine, and we can go on together. Doesn't help, though. It's not real. Ecclesiastes knows the reality of this. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 4, it says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, but we don't always know how to respond well in such situations, and sometimes we don't. I know I didn't. The night after my dad died, we normally prayed with the kids as they went to sleep. They were four at the time. And so Christy said, go ahead, pray with the kids. I said, nope. She said, but, but you need to. I said, no, I can't and I won't. Christy graciously prayed, and I kind of muttered, Amen, afterwards. The celebration service of my dad's life was extremely honouring, and I was thrilled to be there. But at the same time, it just masked the depth of my anger and my grief. I can remember exactly where I was when I said to God, God, you stay here for a while. I am not ready to walk with you anymore. So I'll take my time and you wait. Every Saturday night for the next few months, 
I relive the trauma of that night over and over and over. Guilty, angry, disillusioned, hurt, empty. But at church, I smiled, said I was fine. I'm so appreciative of Job's biblical account. It is real, it is raw. I read it many times. In Job's account, he says one phrase. He says, may the day of my birth be erased. He said, you know what, God? Life is just too hard. I wish I was never born. I just don't want to be here. I can't handle it. Job shouted at God. He prayed wild prayers. He told God exactly how he was feeling. He cried, he wept, he screamed. And it was all okay. God's big enough to contain that, to listen and to carry it. Some parts of the Psalms are actually called laments. And laments means an expression of deep sorrow or complaint to God. I've been there. But the other thing is that often Psalms, like laments, are not necessarily seen as acceptable in terms of worship. How's this? Psalm 88 verse 14. You have taken from me my friend and my neighbor. Darkness is now my closest friend. Bet you've never heard that in a song. <laughs> Come on, let's sing together. Darkness is my closest friend. And I think we often forget that twice in the Bible, it records that Jesus wept. Fully God, fully man, and yet he was broken inside with a heart ripped out at the, at the tomb of his friend Lazarus and also entering Jerusalem before the crucifixion. What a great person to relate to. But see, healthy grieving is not possible without paying careful attention to our emotions. Anger, sadness, depression. If we don't process how we're doing at the time, in a real way, before ourselves and before God, we sabotage our own grief process and we can actually infect other people with our own pain and our own brokenness. Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest, made this very insightful truth. He said, whatever is not transformed in our life will always be transmitted. What it means is if we don't take the time to process what's going on for us personally, we will, intentionally or unintentionally, Give that as a legacy to someone else. Baggage that they should not carry and should not have to. And yet, we will. We have a personal responsibility. And I think, sadly, I'm one, but I think there's a number of people in the church who have not attended to their own emotional needs as an intentional discipleship issue. But instead, we hand that on to someone else and say, carry it for me. It's not wrong to have other people's support, but it is wrong to get, make them a primary source of my own healing. Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist and psychiatrist, termed something called the false self. And what he meant is it's avoidance of the real issue, that we have a self-sustaining existence that's living behind a mask and at a distance from God. On the other side, though, it's a counterintuitive nature 
to approach our darkness, our pain. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Five months after my dad had passed away, in February 2010, I started my counselling course. I had shared with Dad that I had enrolled in the course, but I'm not actually sure that he heard me. Would have loved to have felt that he did. But the first subject was an experience-based course in which a chair was set up, and one by one we were encouraged to sit as the client to gain that perspective. Really, really important. When it came to my turn, it didn't take long before I was screaming about what had happened in my life. The hurt, the pain that was just so real, so raw. And a godly professor who was there with me was so amazing. And she said, Darren, it's okay. You have permission to be angry at God out loud. I couldn't believe it. Nowhere had I ever heard that I was allowed to be angry at God. I just thought I had to contain it within myself and just deal with it. But counselling actually gave me permission to be real, to be raw, to process, to ask the questions, to feel the feelings. I was so thankful for that opportunity. Today, I want to honour my lead pastor, Pastor Andy, and the GT lead team for envisioning the GT Counselling Centre. It's been going for about a year and a half now to be able to give anyone and everyone the opportunity to be able to face themselves, if they so choose. While in pain, we often exist in a very confusing in-between. It's given the term liminal space, L-I-M-I-N-A-L, liminal space. It's described as standing on the threshold between what was and what's next. It's kind of a season of waiting without yet knowing. Grief, loss and trauma can be the crossroads between a painful experience and a very powerful transformation. If we choose to allow God's divine process to intersect our brokenness. But the word if we choose. Luke 22 was very helpful for me. I think Sean, Pastor Sean talked earlier about the idea of betrayal. This is where Jesus was just about to be crucified and was speaking to one of his disciples, Simon Peter. And he said to Simon Peter, I know that you're going to walk away. He said, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He says, Satan wants to grind you down to nothing, Simon. But I have prayed for you. He said, I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, then strengthen your brothers. So Jesus was saying a couple of things. Firstly, I know you're going to betray me, Peter. <laughs> Secondly, I know you're going to walk away. But I am praying for you. And at some stage, when you turn back, you are going to be an incredible testimony to your friends, to your neighbours, to those watching. Growing through pain means slowly and progressively moving towards a place where the pain does not dominate our life anymore. And yet it holds a sacred but submissive place in our spiritual journey. 
doesn't mean we forget it. It means that we honour it. But it doesn't inform how we do life. Gerald Sitzer makes a great quote, very challenging. He says, The quickest way to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west chasing after it, but instead to run east into the darkness until you finally reach the sunrise. Wow. But you know what? Gerald possibly took his quotes from a few other people in the Bible. See, listen to David in Psalm 4 verse 1. He says, When I was in distress, you set me free. Now, I'm not an English major, but the preposition there, the word in, is so important. When I was in distress, you set me free. It doesn't say that you set me free from my distress. Inside it. See, God changes us in and through our circumstances. Last year, I was having a really difficult time. And once again, I so appreciated spending time talking with Pastor Sean and Lisa. But I prayed a prayer at that stage and said, God, change my circumstances. And then I added a small caveat afterwards and said, or change me. And no prizes for guessing which God preferred. (laughs) See, he doesn't always stop difficult circumstances happening. Why? Well, I can't give you a definitive answer. But in my own experience, it's because in his infinite wisdom, he gently and carefully transforms character through trials into hope. So you listen to what Paul says in Romans 5. He said, rejoice in suffering. Or another version says he rejoiced in trials. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amazing progression. Trials, perseverance, character, hope. There's a movie from 1989 called The Horse Whisperer, starring Robert Redford. It was set in Montana, incredible scenery. (laughs) That's one of the reasons I ended up kind of in Canada, Rocky Mountains, kind of similar. In the movie The Horse Whisperer, Robert Redford rehabilitates horses that have undergone trauma. There's a beautiful scene in there that he's working with a horse doing kind of water physiotherapy. The person who owns the horse has a cell phone that starts ringing. It spooks the horse. The horse runs out of the river and off into a distant field. Redford, understandably annoyed, gently and slowly walks towards the field where the horse is. Stays a long distance back, several hundred metres away. And there's kind of a time lapse that happens with the sun, high noon, slowly sets. And over the course of that time, bit by bit, the horse slowly makes its way back towards Redford. When it's side by side, Redford slowly takes the horse and they walk off together. Explains me very much. Nine months after my dad had passed away, I was out running one day. Actually, the word running is probably misinterpreted. I was out jogging. 
one day. And I stopped where I was. I said, okay, God, I'm done running now. It didn't change things straight away, but it was a slow journey back to trust. At the time that I was ready, a course became available in my counselling degree. And the course was on loss, grief, and trauma. When I was ready, I took this, and it was so amazingly beneficial to me personally. But I knew more than that, that God was preparing an opportunity to be able to do life along other people who were going through something similar, as he always does in teaching us things. I knew this was going to be helpful because this was a legacy I wanted to give to my dad. And also in honouring where God had left me, how he had waited with me patiently until I was ready. See, Job said something similar at the end of his narrative. God had asked him a whole bunch of questions which I would have no answers for either. And in Job 42, he said this back to God. I know that you can do anything. And no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? And you can see Job just very sheepishly put up his hand. He said, that was me. He said, I was talking about things I knew nothing about. And I could have written that too. You see, healthy grieving is not just letting go of false assumptions but it's actually letting this transformation bless you, bless me, and bless others along the way with new insights and a freedom that's incredible. Two years after my dad had died, Christy's dad, Wayne, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Christmas of 2011, our family flew from Brisbane to Victoria, here where they live. And I had such amazing times of being with Wayne, just he and I. I was able to be a silent witness to who he was. I listened to his life story. I listened and let him talk about what he suspected that he was going to miss with his own heavenly homecoming. He spoke words to me that my dad would have said. He said that he was proud of me. It was incredibly restorative for me and for him. But it would never have happened if I wasn't able to be in a place where I was with my dad at the time. God continued to do a work. In March 2012, Wayne stepped into eternity. Incredible loss, but so thankful for who he was. Opposite to Carl Jung's idea of the false self is the true self, the antithesis thereof. And this is a choice, but it is a vulnerable choice. It's much more tender than the attacking or defensive postures of the mind or the ego. It's a place where we are not in control, but instead we allow God that privilege. The true self is the place where the transformation happening inside of us is more important than getting to where we feel that we need to be. See, our invitation 
is to process the pain for ourselves so that we can walk this challenging journey alongside other people because we have faced ourselves in the darkness and we now know that it's swallowed up in God's all-consuming grace and love. See, Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to Paul talking about himself. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. And then others will realize too that they can believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Paul says, I've had my wounds. Check this out. Look at my scars. But he said, those are scars of wisdom. They're scars of healing. They're scars of transformation now. It's not a shiny exterior. And what God has done for me, he will do for you. He's been patient with me. He'll be patient with you. He loves me beyond measure. He'll do the same for you. See, in the Christian journey, things don't always go the way we imagine. I think in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about the heroes of the faith, it says this, that they were all commended for their faith and yet none of them actually received on earth what was promised. And sometimes we feel ripped off about that because I want life to go a certain way and it doesn't. And let me encourage you that heaven awaits us, as Pastor Sean said earlier, with riches and with blessing more than we could imagine. And God gives us a glimpse here on earth what it's like. But Moses would speak of his own story of loss too. See, Moses, after leading the Israelite nation from exile in Egypt through the promised land, Moses was not allowed to enter either. Imagine that for a loss. And yet, this is my suspicion. Sitting at the top of Mount Nebo, where he could survey the whole land, I wonder if Moses was actually satisfied. He was content. Because as that song said that we sung earlier, he was just there, leaning back into the loving arms of a beautiful Lord. The work was done. And though he lost the opportunity of walking in, he gained everything of who God was right for him right then. Church, God can and will pick up the pieces of a broken life, of a broken faith, and put it back together in only the way that he can, which always exceeds our expectations. But this is a choice. God's a perfect gentleman and won't infringe on our choices. But if you allow him, he will. Two things that I would love to leave with you. That if you're caught in that idea of liminal space, stuck between where and how, the GT Counselling Centre is available. Mondays and Wednesdays is there in person or online. We'd be happy and honoured to walk through things with you. So you can simply just go to our website, gtcounselling.ca, and make an appointment. The other thing, if you're struggling with the loss of someone special, we'll be running Grief Share once again this coming September, a 13-week curriculum, Bible-based, small group format, where you can walk this process out with other people in real time who are going through something similar.
Church, I would love to be able to pray for you as we finish up. Father God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for who you are and what you do. At times there is so much that I miss, that I don't see, that I don't understand. And my feelings and my emotions cloud who you are. They cloud your goodness, your faithfulness, your promise to never leave or forsake. But you are forever there. So I thank you and I honour that of you. And today with every single person, wherever they're at, every situation, Lord, I thank you that you're with them too. In your fullness, you are there with each. And Lord, I pray that you would speak words to their mind, to their heart, open their eyes to see you in a way that they never have. And Lord, together, may we process the pain of life that you know so well. Move towards the freedom that you have for us and for those through us. God, we love you, we thank you, and we trust you. Amen. Amen. Callwood Church, can we say thank you to Pastor Darren for being here with us today? Wow, what a, um, what a pretty raw and real presentation this morning from your life story, Darren. Uh, wow, it's definitely a challenging one for, I think, many of us. One of the things that I love about partnership in ministry is that Darren is a friend of mine. He serves in another church in our city, and we, we have to do this together. I'm very excited to lift up Glad Tidings Church today that if this is something that you need to access in the counseling center, by all means, I know who you're going to get as a voice. Do not let this moment pass you by because your transformation will then be transmitted in a very positive way to somebody else for future. So thank you, Pastor Darren, for being here today. Once again, as we're making our way to our conclusion, if you are new with us today, welcome to First Steps Lunch is going to be happening in just a few minutes. If you had no plans, come and join us for that. It is through these doors right here, and we're going to be meeting underneath the gymnasium. Again, if you can and you feel God speaking to you, the Ukraine Relief Fund is there. Please give. We're excited to be able to partner with them. But church, have a fantastic week. We love you, and we will see you next week as we continue in EHS. Have a great week.